Welcome to Healing in the Bayou, a podcast series on the history of medicine created by the Gilbo Center for Public History at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. This season, we are exploring the shared histories of COVID-19 and the movement for Black lives in Southwest Louisiana. This episode, we will discuss the ultimate goal that many people would like after the COVID-19 pandemic settles and protest debate, and that is peace. My name is Clyde McLaughlin II, sophomore at ULL, history major, and your empathy for this podcast. You know, when asked if I had ever done a podcast before, my knee-jerk reaction was to say no. But looking back on it about a year from now, actually, I was actually invited onto a podcast by a few friends of mine. We talked mostly about little things, sports, video games, and how we all thought COVID was being blown out of proportion. Well, how wrong we were then. I was never directly affected by COVID-19. My family remained healthy throughout the pandemic, and I considered them all, myself included, lucky. That can't be said for everyone, but hey, I guess that's just life. And well, during the pandemic, it was a sight to witness some history in the making. Us Americans have a knack for getting pissed off and marching and protesting, and damn, we did it in droves these past couple of months. I know for a fact you've heard this phrase a thousand times already, but it still reigns true. All these protests opened up a discussion. In my opinion, an easy discussion to have because once you shed the name, bowling, shouts, the raised fists, the slung rifles, the buzzwords that fill up your screen, I think we all want the same thing, peace. And as Dr. Joe said in the Clinical Conversations podcast, awkward is much better than silence. I think you'll come to find that for the next few minutes of your life, silence will be hard to come by. Anyway, let's begin. Peace and patience seem to have been the theme for my interviewees. These pandemic, sorry, this pandemic, the protests, how we can go so far as the past administration. It seems that we have not known a moment of silence and peace in a long time. And I think people are just getting tired. Dylan Tran, my classmate history 100, shares that. Just, um, like, we just learned, we just have to learn to have patience, you know. Because this year, really, last year really taught us to learn for patience last year. I felt like. Because a lot of people don't have patience nowadays. Like, they just want it, like, right away, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all pretty much I can think of right now. In response to what he would like to take with him to this metaphorical post-pandemic world, he goes on to then talk about how he wishes for everyone to just get along with one another. In response to the question, what change, if any, would you like to see and commit to bring about? To maybe see, like, just learn how to get along with each other. I mean, the world has really taught, ever since, you know, remember the death with uh, George Floyd? Like, I felt that really brought more attention to, like, the black community and like you know more people like trying to be more respectful because you know what that officer did like that was not right at all like i think that was just completely wrong shouldn't have done that and i think recently he um i think he got sentenced recently i think or something i heard from what I heard. uh yeah they're sure. still on trial he was still in trial but i think he got sentenced i'm not sure what happened i just saw like a clip on the news on youtube it's kind of like a little clickbait i was like mm-hmm. but I feel like I did did bring 
less like closer together, like us humans closer together, like, you know, have more respect for each other though, in that way. Mm. Also, probably something, like people just like, even though, cause I know during that protest, people are just, just a lot of like destroying buildings and, you know, storefronts and stuff like that. Cause I felt like a lot of it, people just want to go in that protest just to destroy, like they didn't care. They just wanted to, just to go out there and destroy stuff. I feel like they weren't really protesting for that guy at all. Like some I decided to interview my parents for my oral histories. My dad, Clyde McLaughlin, not to be confused with me, Clyde McLaughlin II, is a Drug Enforcement Administration agent. He's been with law enforcement for over 20 years now, and I thought he was my best shot at getting a true understanding of the current going on for, of police brutality and how it affects regular good officers. Then there's my mom, Sabrina McLaughlin, a lawyer of 20 years or so, and her uh, who was able to look at issues through a non-biased view, and I knew that she would provide excellent insight in how COVID-19 affects black lives and other minorities. My parents grew up in a time of great change in the United States. They saw the AIDS epidemic, saw the towers fall during 9-11, they saw the Iraq war kick off, both of them, and they witnessed the USSR collapse. What I'm getting at here is, it's been a while since some modicum of peace has been seen on a worldwide scale. And with things heating up last year and now, there still is a lack of calmness in society. My mom was a big proponent of people slowing down, and one thing she liked about the pandemic was people being forced to slow down and take it easy. I understand what she meant as well. Uh, I, I under, mm, sorry. There's many instances of people not being able to stay home and be with their family, or people working so much that they miss milestones in their child's life. With the pandemic, people were able to work at home and spend time with their loved ones more often. Keeping yourself clean. And I think before that, we were moving too fast. I would like to see things slow down. And I think that's the one thing that has been given to us that we've had a chance to slow down. Before COVID, we were all like, oh my God, if I had more time, if I had more time to do this and do this, now you've been given that gift of time. And you know, you're going to look back on these, on this year and a half, I mean, a year now, a little over a year now, and ask yourself, what did I do at that time that I had off? Because I can tell you a lot of people had at least three months, four months before we were even able to go back into the work field, uh, go back to our jobs, go back to our schools. And sometimes the schools, as you can see, even with you, y'all went back in August under total. So my, my hope is that Things will not move as fast, but I feel like it's speeding up again, but I don't want to see it go as fast as it was before COVID. I just think we were going too fast, and I would like to see things. My dad didn't have as much to talk about during the interview, not for the lack of trying, just he was, uh, he has a, he was a case of not having much to talk about for the pandemic. One thing I've noticed during all of this, the protests for Black Lives, COVID-19 lockdowns, shutdowns, is that it's hard to find the person who just wasn't affected by it too much or who just wasn't bothered by it all. I consider myself and my dad one of these people. At the end of the day, however, he hopes that we as a people are able to make it out of the situation stronger than we were before. Man, you know what? My words with the nation, I hope we can come together as a, as a people no matter what race, creed, you know, uh, uh, color, uh, sex, nationality, 
I just hope we can, I mean, even though people are different, I hope we can find common grounds and and get along a lot more so because uh, I hear lately there's been a lot of, a lot of hatred spewing out. Mm. And um, yeah, I just hope we can try to come together. It wasn't all bad looking back on it. At the start, people actually looked out for one another. There was a semblance of unity at the beginning of the pandemic. Black people, white people, Asians, Latinos, LGBT, and everyone came together and understood that we're all in the same boat. My dad goes on to talk about that a little bit more. In the last year, yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I can tell you what, when uh, it seemed like when the, when the pandemic first started, people came to get a lot more to help, you know, to help one another because we were all, all in the, all the, all the uncertainty that was going on in the world. It seemed like people was, they were a little bit more kind to one another in the beginning of the, uh, of the, of the pandemic, because like I said, you know, you, everyone was nervous, scared, didn't know what to do, didn't know what was going on. And so, yeah, that's when I think it was a lot more. In this topic of documenting COVID-19 and the movement for Black Lives in Southwest Louisiana, I believe that I chose the right amount of diversity in my interviewees. Dylan Tran, my classmate, is a Vietnamese male, and my parents are both Black. As you may have heard in the news in the past couple of weeks, more people are raising awareness for Asian hate crimes, almost or pretty much at the same level as Black Lives Matter protests. Black, white, Asian, Latino, LGBT, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we all just want some peace, some slowness in day-to-day life and unity. I'll try to wrap this back to history and medicine, so give me a second. That being the overarching talking point by saying that in history, there are, there are many ways that tense and tough situations ease down, one being war and bloodshed, that's my, my injection of humor into this podcast, but the other being diplomacy, talking. I think soon this will all come to a head, and that head being not one of war, but of legislation being passed, public leaders coming out and speaking for the betterment of their community. COVID-19 has brought many societal problems to the forefront of today's issues, and one of those issues being the systemic injustices of black lives and other minorities in America. Now I'm going to transition to my class. Uh, History 100, History of Medicine. We've listened and read a lot of podcasts and documents about COVID-19 and other past pandemics. With me, I have three podcasts that i like to share with you. These podcasts are People's History of the Pandemic in New York City from the Brooklyn Rail, Race and Clinical Equity, a conversation with Dr. Kimberly Manning from uh, NEJM and the United States Pre-Existing Conditions by Code Switch from NPR. My favorite podcast was Code Switch, mostly because I had a transcript, but I also liked the structure of the podcast. I felt more of a connection with the speakers, mostly because they seemed younger. They weren't my age, I'm only 19, but enough to feel a connection with them that I felt as if we shared a more similar experience with COVID. All podcasts I listed had a small section of what happens next. What happens after we all get vaccinated or what happens when we all have to pretty much lick our wounds and move on because eventually we will have to move on kicking screaming if we must Meryl Agish from a people's history of the pandemic in New York City says there's a clear trend once we got past those initial barriers or of those terrifying months was the coping all the coping that we need to cope with how we're living and I believe that this holds true coping is one of the one of the most basic forms of living through a traumatic experience like COVID 
But after, or maybe even during coping, we have to come back, come face to face with the problems that exacerbated this whole issue. Ed Young from Code Switch sums this up quite well when he said, and I think we need to recognize all the ways in which normal failed. In the carceral state to the healthcare system, the legacy of racism and colonialism, if we can't even look all of those problems in the face, we're just going to be weak again the next time around. Uh, this is me speaking again. Uh, but before we talk about our problems, someone has to break the ice. Maybe the president, some congressman, a mayor, whoever. But someone has to step forward and clear an answer to these problems. Protesting is fine. Chants and Twitter bios are fine. But we need real answers. Answers that would satisfy both parties or at the very least help with compromising on an issue. Joe Elia from Clinical Conversations succinctly melds that all together by simply saying, Awkward is much better than silence. And speaking of silence, I think it's time I wrap this up. I'd like to thank Dylan Tran, Clyde McLaughlin, my dad, and Sabrina McLaughlin for allowing me to interview them for my oral histories. I'd like to remind all of you who are listening to catch the next episode of Healing in the Bayou. Thank you for listening.